Hello, I'm Janelle Harris, and welcome again to 501CTV, the podcast that talks to system leaders, thought leaders, nonprofits, and nonprofit partners to discuss what's new in the industry. By watching our podcast, hopefully you'll find some good information that you can take away today. And I am very, very excited because we have a really dynamic guest here with us today. I'd like to introduce Jess Merrill with One Degree Impact. Hello, Jess. Hello. And um, I'm really excited for today because although um, you do have a foundation and you do have a background, obviously a long, extensive background of the nonprofit world, you have a really awesome business here that I really want to talk about because it's a question that we get asked a lot about, which is fundraising and grants. Yep. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'd like you to maybe just give me some background on you and your experience in the fundraising nonprofit world, and then we'll get into what Degree Impact does and how it's going to be an amazing resource for a lot of our, our listeners. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Let's see, where do I start? So I grew up here, and if anyone's listening, this, we're in Wellington, Florida. Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up, born and raised. Um, after college, I went to move to Manhattan, worked in advertising. Mm -hmm. I did that for about a decade, um, and it was amazing. It was really fun. I highly advocate for that for anyone in their 20s to work in that industry <laughs> sure. in New York. Not um, a terrible right, city to be in. Right. Um, and I also, that job moved me out to Los Angeles for a bit of time, and while I was out there, um, we lost my father to suicide oh, so and I didn't, re we didn't realize at the time that he had been struggling. He had been, you know, suffering in silence, which is very common yeah. in the, you know, world of mental illness. And, um, for a variety of reasons that like completely changed the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. And so the things that were important to me at the time, you know, in my late twenties and, you know, all the things that are typically important to people in sure. their late twenties, um, all of a sudden just kind of became like this different, like a switch flipped and all of that just seemed like meaningless. Okay. And I moved back to New York. My company moved me back to New York so I could be closer to family. Mm -hmm. And in those two years, something really interesting happened in that. I had the most on paper successful two years of my career. I was nominated rising star of the industry, was speaking at conferences all over the country and, you know, outwardly was doing wonderfully like social media wise, sure. you know, like the, what you would see, yep. you know, looked great. Living the life. And yep. over time, because I, what I didn't do was process my dad's death, which, you know, understandably yeah. in, in that he died suddenly and the way he died. Um, but I really was just focused on like, just keep grinding. Cause yeah. then I don't have to feel these feelings. Absolutely. And so over time, what I started realizing was that I was becoming more and more removed from my like active social life outside of work. And so, you know, I'd get home Friday and I lived in a 400 square foot studio in the West Village. Mm -hmm. So I would get home from work. I'd say, oh, well, I'm really, you know, it was a really busy week. And so I would just stay in that night. And then I, oh, I'm going to order, you didn't know, get everything delivered to yes. the door. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to order bagels. And then next thing you know, I woke up one morning and it was it had been Monday and I had not, hadn't left since when I got home on Friday. And I had this epiphany, luckily, that my father wasn't able to have, which was that I always viewed suicide as the frog jumping into the boiling pot of water. And in that moment, I, I had, a, again, this like aha moment of like, nobody chooses to do it that way. They're yeah. in the pot. It's getting warmer, warmer, warmer. Yes. And then one day you realize it's getting hot and it's dangerous and you need to get out and you're either in a place to be able to do that or not. Right. Depending on, you know, circumstance. Yeah. And so I obviously, you know, because of a variety of reasons was able to identify that and then pretty immediately remove myself and put, you know, and so what I did was I met with a therapist that I had met with in the past, 
I, I kind of came to the conclusion that I would move back to South Florida. My family had a business in the fitness and wellness space here in Wellington. My mom had been running it by herself since my dad's passing. And I said, I'm going to come back and I'm just going to get healthy. I mean, for was you. in this, you know, fitness and wellness, 30,000 square foot thing, was able to have a trainer and, you know, work with my therapist and do all the things to really like focus, started meditation, like all these things. And, um, and was able to really kind of get to a place where I was like working from a space of empowerment and feeling like I was in a healthy, like I wasn't just using work to distract. Right. Which is, I mean, you're so lucky because that's a really hard thing. And as you know, like it's hard to get out of that. And a yeah. lot of people don't, and if they don't have the resources to do that and some, something somewhere pulling them out of that, that's, that's the unfortunate and it's incredible how many people don't. And it's not, you know, we used to think, so my family, when my dad passed, my mom, who's an amazing human being who injected philanthropy in my life and giving back since I was, you know, a child, mm -hmm. um, ran a social enterprise before social enterprises were a thing and was yeah. always giving back to our community here in Wellington. And she, you know, immediately following my dad's passing, her thing was we have to help others. Like that was her way of healing, which yeah. wasn't my brother and I, we didn't feel as connected to it originally. And right. so everything that the foundation is today was stemmed from my mom really like driving it. I mean, can, still today she drives it. Sure. And we were kind of like along for the ride until we got healed enough to be a part of it in a productive way. Right. And so we really kind of thought like, it just has been amazing, I guess, in short, to say that through our work with the Merrill Family Foundation and partners like Palm Health Foundation and Student Aces, which is an amazing nonprofit here, you know, based in South Florida that mm -hmm. works with high school student athletes, that we've been able to identify, you know, really, you know, mental illness and brain health is something that affects everybody. It supersedes yeah. socioeconomic levels. It supersedes race, gender, everything. Yep. Um, and people, and what we identified was like, where is the unique place that we can sit to drive the most impact? And it right. was, we didn't start our foundation because we had all this family wealth that we needed to like, you yeah. know, off board for tax purposes. Exactly. It was a healing vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so we just started listening to the community and we thought, well, when we needed help, my dad, it was, I want to say like late October that we knew something was wrong and he had passed by February and, and my family was well connected in the community to act, to try to find the resources and right. we couldn't find right. the help. And so our feeling was there are incredible organizations in Palm Beach County. And then this has now we've, we've identified that this is expands nationally. Yep. There are amazing organizations doing this work. There's no one connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And so a person who's in a crisis situation doesn't have the bandwidth to go like, well, let me do some research to find out. What, totally. You know? That's not going to happen. And so what we've done is we've said like, well, we don't, it's, our, our value is not going to come from large sums of money. You and I were just talking Absolutely. about this, right? It's going to come from time, time and talent. talent. <laughs> and so we have the lived experience. And mm -hmm. so we, you know, immediately we're, we're able to and willing to in partnership with Palm Health Foundation, be the face of a campaign that they were launching probably six years ago called Train the Brain, which okay. was their you know first brain health initiative, behavioral mm -hmm. health initiative that they had launched. And we thought if we could put a face to it and be the human face versus just this kind of like nameless and faceless right. campaign, right. then other people would feel like, well, if they went through it, and so we just started to realize that us coming out and telling our story, both of my dad and then our personal stories. That's so you know, huge. That people then were like, oh, I didn't realize you had gone through that. I've been suffering in silence as well. Yes. And that's been the biggest, you know, it's not about, like we said, it's not about this, like, let me just drop large sums of money and walk away. Let, let me not think of solutions before I understand the problem. Absolutely. We've been working with partners who are like boots on the ground in these communities all throughout our county that really understand. And they're very unique. The mm -hmm. cultural differences, the socioeconomic differences really make a difference in how you approach 
not only mental illness, which we, we view it as kind of like there's crisis mm -hmm. and then all the way to the other spectrum of like proactive brain health, right? Re, right. Resources. And absolutely. And, and so we want to focus on both mm -hmm. because if all you do is focus on the crisis and the illness part and you never help people understand how to get ahead of it, right. then you'll just be putting out fire. Absolutely. And so absolutely. we've been doing that, you know, this work for the anniversary of my dad's passing was 11 years ago last week. And so we've been doing this work for about 10 years. Um, and it really is just what it's grown into is, you know, and like I said, my mom, I couldn't be more proud of her yes. for being kind of like the one that continues oh to gosh. push it forward. So. I love it. You're like, you're, you're not in footsteps, but like walking alongside and you guys are both like involved in doing this. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be super fulfilling. It's I'm really, like, it's really amazing. I love that. Yeah. That's great. So, um, so having that, that background, then I think, um, alongside one degree impact came around, I believe it was a different name and then yeah. one degree impact came, but how long has, has that company been around? And so one degree impact was original. It's been, you know, kind of like a rebrand from yeah. the original company's Williams grant writing. Okay. Very straightforward what we do. Um, and very straight, that was what we did was we focused on, you know, services and kind of outputs of grant writing, research and writing. Okay. Um, I became, you know, when I moved back to Wellington or I moved to West Palm, but when I was in Wellington, I got connected with my former business partner whose wife was a professional freelance grant writer. Okay. And they had made this business to basically be like, how do we support the freelance grant writing community who are super talented, but they don't want to be running businesses. No. And so they had launched this company and had brought on some, you know, great talent from all over the country. So we've always been remote and we've always been national. Okay. Um, and they were really like, if we could bring, if we could manage marketing, sales, account management, billing, all the things, and just let the talent do what they do, yes. then you could get access to the best talent and then they could scale their bit, their work without yeah. having to increase their prices all constantly. Well, and that's the thing, like when I was doing um, research, which I love your website, by the way, it's awesome. Thanks. So as I said yeah. earlier, like you can go down a, a hole of information if you're just Googling, you know, if I'm a brand new nonprofit and I Google, you know, help with grant writing, I mean, the information that is out there is, it is boggling, yeah. first of all. So when I go to your website, um, I love it because it's very straightforward and it makes me feel like, okay, th this is, we can tackle this, we can do this. Because as you said, I think about, um, you know, I think about one of the nonprofits I know who, you know, they deliver, um, they deliver resources and supplies to kids that just come into foster care. So I can't imagine like them getting, you know, th they get a call at 2 a.m. that, you know, a baby is is going into foster care with nothing but a diaper on. So I can't imagine them doing that mission. And then, oh, by the way, like now I need to come home and try to figure out right. where I'm getting um, grants and, and money coming in to, to support my mission. Right. So that's where you guys come in and, and take it out. Yep. Um, and I love that. And it, it seems really easy to me. And you guys have a good mix, I think, of um, technology and process, which yep. are two things that I really love. Yeah. <laughs> As a mom, yeah. you love it. <laughs> you need to have systems in place to be able to make that easy. So, I mean, in your experience, what do you think is the big misconception that that maybe like a nonprofit, even a nonprofit that's been around a long time, but maybe one that's just starting out, what do, what do you think is the biggest misconception about get, you know, grant writing as a mm -hmm. whole and, and that process itself? Great question, very easy to answer mm -hmm. because we it's kind of the evolution of Williams grant writing into one degree is that grant right that grants are for everyone yeah like grants work for every organization 
And what we realized is, is that we, in the evolution of that business into what it is today is, they're not. Mm -hmm. It is such a labor intensive, both of time and money, resource intensive, both of time and money, you know, aspect of raising revenue for your organization that you really need to be at a certain place organizationally, which isn't always just budget wise. It's right. not just that this, that nonprofits that are at this certain, we typically, our clients usually start around a million dollars in revenue and up. Okay. We have some that are under that, but at the time when we were, you know, really growing Williams grant writing, we had had two, 250,000 as our, you know, like criteria. Got it. And what we found <laughs> was clients or, you know, prospects would come in and be really convincing that they were ready to do grants. We had a checklist of all the documentation you needed. And so, and we have a you know membership model, and so it's like a recurring monthly. Mm -hmm. You know, you, we work on a recurring basis to make sure Again, because easy, it's consistent. <laughs> yes. You have to be consistent. Yeah. You know, you no can't surprises. be like, let me write one proposal now, and then let me do research, and then six months later revisit the research. Like it is a very right. like you need to get into you know a cadence on it, mm -hmm. and it needs to develop a program for it to be sustainable. And what we found was, over the course of let's say eight years of that business growing, we had at this point hundreds of nonprofits mm -hmm. that we'd work with all over the country. Right. And when the world shut down in March of 2020, I sat down with my COO, also is a Wellington, Wellington awesome. native, and I said to Meg, why is it that, like, if we look at this success rate of all of our clients, because that was like the number one question we get, is what is your conversion rate? Yeah. That's what everyone wants to know, of as course. if we can predictably say it's, you know, it's 70% or whatever. <laughs> right. With and all different nonprofits. Within a million different, different variables, things. right. Yeah. yeah. And so what we realized was there were some that were, exponentially successful. Mm -hmm. So we would get them two, three, four times return on their yearly investment with us. Right. There were some that were incremental break even or incrementally successful. And then there were many that were not successful at mm -hmm. all. And I thought, oh, well, this will be easy. You'll be able to see like this specific set that yeah. looks like this. Like is a clear pattern. A clear pattern. No, it wasn't. It, it ended up being, but it was not very quantitative at the time. Okay. What we realized was, and hence like this will be obvious why we rebranded re into One Degree Impact was, it was the organizations who were investing the time to build relationships with the funders. That was it. Wow. It was super simple, but it took us a while. So we have this kind of organizing, you know, document or tool, if you will, that keeps track of like all the research and all the work that we were doing, we're planning to do all the grants that organizations received in the past and like kind right. of is our central, you know, um, you know, organizational point for us and our clients and our team. And it was the quantitative thing we found was it was the number of iterations that our clients made to that document because we would put all the data into it. Here's all the opportunities that are mm -hmm. that are most likely for you to receive funding because the funders are most aligned with your mission. Right. And the clients who never touched it, and this could have been an organization that was a half a million dollars up to $5 million. Yeah. The clients that didn't touch it, not surprisingly, had little to no success. Right. And the clients who were constantly like, we had a gala and this this board member of this foundation was at the gala and I made a connection with him and he said you should come whatever. Or I inter I you know invited this woman who's the you know CEO of this foundation to come do a site visit and blah blah blah. The ones that were doing the updates, okay, let's move this proposal up to February instead of August because we want to, you know, that was the exponential. And so we Makes repositioned, we changed our criteria for who we work with having an in-house relationship builder, which is typically some sort of development role, like yep. an either consultant or an actual full-time role, is now an imperative. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is that was the number one thing. And so our role switched from, we just take clients in, they we do some research for them, we do some writing for them, we help everything stay organized, which was still technology and process driven. But now it is about, we are now a management firm. So we are now 
leading the charge on how do all of your like teams within your, how does your organization work with each other? Right. Who are all the, who's running marketing? Who's going to know, like who's going to put out the messaging? Who's running the events so we understand who's going to be at the galas? Who's connecting with large donors so that we understand who's a large donor that may also be connected to a foundation? And so we're kind of now in the, we're like part of our or clients' organizations Absolutely. instead of being like this outsourced well, and company. I think that's huge too because, you know, a lot of times if they didn't have you there, they wouldn't even know the questions. You guys are asking them right. the right questions to lead them to the, to the end result and also give them those, those you know, tips and tricks on how to get there because, you know, it, if a nonprofit doesn't have the budget to have somebody, multiple people like your team on their staff... You guys are basically just an extension right. of, of their mission, which which is really cool. And in many cases, we work with in-house grants teams as well. So we have you know many clients that they have some grants you know writers in-house, and they have a development officer, and we kind of come in and help like to to you know bridge all the pieces together. Um, I think that one you know to answer kind of in more directly the question that you had asked before. There is certain documentation, and all this is on our website if you want the list of documentation, that <laughs> yeah. if you have it, you're more likely to be successful in the grant space. Okay. Audited financials, um, obviously your 501c3 determination sure. letter, um, a whole lit, financial, you know, budgets, um, strategic plan, development plan, all of that. But again, the, the big piece is, do you have someone in-house that can make those relationships? Mm -hmm. And what is your bandwidth, both from a time and financial standpoint, to be putting time into this? Because in the beginning, your best bet, just like if you were a for-profit startup, is friends and family, yes. angel investors, right? Mm -hmm. Like these large donors, people with deep pockets that have that believe in your mission, that have the ability to take a chance on you until you have a proven track record to say, to speak like a business. To be right. think about if you were a business and you when you finally feel like you could go to a bank and get money, mm -hmm. that's when grants are right for you. Right. And that's the thing. I think and, and thank you for clarifying that because I think that um you know we we throw the the word grant around. But what is a, what is a grant? You know, where do those come from? You know, is that um is that just a company throwing it out there? Is it an individual? So it's a great question. So there's a couple different entities that it can come from. I mean, there are grants that come from the government level, which is like a whole other beast. We do I help can't imagine. We do help with those, but only with clients that are with us full time that we've been working with for a bit and we handle the narrative piece of that. But federal grants are like I, I mean a full time yeah. position to just manage mm -hmm. that and state as well as state and local level. But then there's private family foundations, there's corporate foundations, there's community foundations. So there's lots of different, and they all exist for different reasons. Sure. And the key part of that, which is like a great, I'm so glad you asked that is, understand why they exist. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, all of this is, if we remember, like we're all humans. Yeah. And we're all, they, they exist to give out money for specific purposes. Correct. And understanding why they're giving out money and then positioning why your organization is the best vehicle to deliver on that. Yeah. So it's not just about telling them your mission and shoving your mission down their throat. It's just saying, we hear your mission and this is why what we do perfectly delivers on that. And I think that honestly, like for me even, not even, I'm being new to this space. I, mean, I don't have a nonprofit, but just in talking to people. And I, I think that is a big misconception that a grant is just somebody that's, you know, they're just, they're just hanging out, like waiting to just write a check to somebody right. just to write a check. And um, I don't think a lot of people understand that it is a mutual, it's a mutually beneficial gift, if you will, and a partnership. Right. So it's not just, here's a grant, sign up for it, click the box, the money comes in your If you've hands. ever looked at the eligibility criteria for a grant, you will know. that, And that's what I would say. Like, if you're considering doing this, start with, like, just understanding what, it's, what it even Absolutely. entails. And then the another big piece of this would be, 
Understand the reporting requirements if you get the money. Okay. We have many clients who we have steered away and or they have steered away from applying for certain grants because the reporting criteria would be more labor intensive and cost them more than, the, than what they're getting. Yeah, and so that's another key thing to look out for. Huge, because again, okay, we're, we're getting low on time. and We knew this would happen. Darn it. <laughs> How does this happen so quickly? <laughs> um, okay, so um, I'd like to ask you, for a success story, give me like one of your favorite. I'm, I'm, there's tons I know, but give me like one of your favorite success stories that that maybe might, might resonate with some of the people that are just out there listening that want to take this plunge, but maybe aren't sure if they should or, or how to go about it. Yep. So um, I'll speak about one that our team just was touting our, their praises Perfect. on our social media this week. Great. So Outfest is a client of ours based in Los Angeles County. Okay. They're um, for 40 years they've been an advocate an advocacy group for the LGBTQ community in film and entertainment. Okay. They're most known for their film festival. Awesome. Um, and they just celebrated the 40 40th anniversary of it. Incredible. They are evolving, right? They are now this kind of big media platform. They really stand to have a lot more impact than just this film festival. And so they're evolving and growing. Okay. We came on board with them about a year and a half ago they had had some minor you know some small successes which is we always look for is like just that they've gotten some momentum in the grant sure. space we came in we started doing some research within the first 12 months we had already broken even on their investment which is in the grant space is a win we always yeah. say if you're not ready to make a 12 to 18 month investment to just get the nuts and bolts and the foundation built yep. then don't that if you don't have the ability to budget for that and the wherewithal to and the board support to right. stick with it then it's best not to do it at all because once you get that first hit, then it's like the domino effect, right? Right, so you have to be prepared for that. Exactly, so we went from, the first 12 months is really about like getting all of the language right, getting mm -hmm. the documentation right, doing the research, identifying who you've been funded by in the past and making sure that we're up to date on reporting sure. and that we're going after those opportunities again. But the really special thing is, is that over that this past year and a half with them, in addition to getting this ROI with them, is that we've helped them to build from a organizational standpoint, their team out so that their executive director has now moved out completely, even though sometimes I have to slap his wrist and say, stop doing grants because he loves doing this, <laughs> has moved out completely because yeah. what we were identifying is, is in our strategic, our strategy calls every month is that they have these like amazing relationships with large donors, big, big names in the entertainment industry yeah. that had foundations. And we had not reached out to the right. So our job is like, we're like one degree of separation Hunters, <laughs> right? Like we're finding those yes. and our clients when they're so in the weeds because they're doing both things, like you said, Absolutely. they're in the, you know, they're running the organization, helping the community, but, and getting the kids, you know, the supplies for the babies, yeah. but then also having to do like 30 other jobs. Right. When we can take all that off their plate, which is what we did over this period of time yeah. and they can breathe a little bit, there's so much gold that they're working with. Mm -hmm. And then they're out in the community and they're making these connections and they're paying attention to the work that's being done so that they can right. like figure out how to steer their development you know, plan, how to make sure that we're not missing funding up funder opportunities. Mm -hmm. We identified that there was like new buckets of funders we could go after if we stopped focusing so niche like you niche focus on the LGBTQ plus community and started to expand into other broader spaces that their organization right. touched. And so I would say that that was it is like return on investment because that's our main focus. Huge. Like yeah. why spend money with us if you're yeah. not getting it back in, exactly. you know, like two, three times over, you know, over a couple year period. And then, and then also to make sure that we are also setting up and building the machine with them mm -hmm. to be sustainable to scale. Yeah. Which is awesome. And yeah. watching them, I mean, I'm sure it's, so uh, rewarding just to watch them go from like one point to the next and just, it's like a snowball, it just 
keeps getting bigger and, and bigger. And it's so and fun. And we've so all become fun. friends and we have yes. these strategy calls and now we're going to go out to LA and visit with them. And it's like, great. So. I can imagine how this yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, how we yeah. run out of time. And so now we're getting coffee. Yeah. Now we're hanging out. We're going to Atlanta and doing all the things. Um, is there anything before we go that we, that you want to say specifically, like I said, I would, I would love to have um, you back on the show and anyone from your organization, because there is just so much we can pinpoint on with, um, with funding and, and, grant writing and all that. But before we go, is there one thing that you want to leave the listeners with about One Impact or or even the Merrill Foundation? Yeah. I mean, I would say follow us on social for yes, both. So absolutely. One Degree Impact, Instagram and LinkedIn, um, Merrill Family Foundation, same. Um, and then I would say, you know, we'll hopefully come back on the show. Yes. If there's any questions you have in the meantime, send us a note through any of those channels for the foundation or for One Degree Impact. Our teams are like, all constantly like eager to help and support. So whether you're an organization that could qualify to work with us at this time or not, we're building a community in 2023 so that we can keep amazing organizations, leaders like all together, even if we're not able to work together right away. And so just ask us questions. And if there's, you know, if you have guests or anybody who reaches out to you guys and there's topics on the next episode that we can touch on specifically, then we'd love to do that too. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is, like I said, uh, I was very excited to have you on here because this specific topic is one that comes up a ton with the nonprofits and it's um it's it's a tough one to navigate and and know all the ins and outs and i we could go on for days so thank you so much for joining us and um thank you again to kana house studios wellington's best and only social content creation studio and we'll see you on our next episode thanks again